Welcome to the Bear Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from BearMarriage.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence-based biblical advice for your sex life and your marriage. Hey, everyone. And I'm joined by Keith, <laughs> my husband. <laughs> and we are, are going to talk about a new series that mm-hmm. we are doing on the blog this month about how to dig out of the pit yes. when you have dug a hole for yourself with mm-hmm. your sex life and things are just not going well. Mm-hmm. Thought, who better to have on than <laughs> <laughs> me? Oh, yeah, no, it's, I make no secret of the fact that I made a lot of mistakes earlier in our marriage. We talk about that a lot yeah. in, in all of our books and yeah. stuff. So, we both. Yeah like pits pretty badly yeah. um, but before we well, because, launch... we, because we were doing it the way we were told to as good Christians exactly as opposed to just being decent people but yes. anyway, anyway it's a story for a different day yeah. exactly but before we launch into that uh-huh. special shout out and thank you to our patrons who mm. help support um, the work that we're doing yeah. in trying to expand uh, this message we're really grateful to all the people who have joined our community and who are dedicated to healthy evidence-based biblical advice their money helps us move beyond what we're doing Mm-hmm. and starting some really big initiatives. We're doing two more surveys next year. We've yeah. got some really neat online projects that we want to start. And so it's that money that funds it. So thank you for being a part of that, everybody. And if you would like to join, the link is in the podcast notes to patreon.com slash bare marriage for yeah. as little as $5 a month. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's a fun group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually yeah. it is. It's a great Facebook yeah. group. We really like it. Okay, babe. Yeah. I want to talk about why we can sometimes end up in this pit. Okay. And to do that, I have something to read to you. Okay. <laughs> so one of the reasons I think that we can end up in this pit mm-hmm. is that we have a totally wrong view of what sex is. Yeah. And to illustrate that, okay. I have a passage that I want to read to you from an article by Jimmy Evans, who's the head of Exo Marriage. Um, and this is from his article, The Four Major Needs of a Man. So this is, this is one of the pinnacle articles on his site. This is like one of the main ways that he talks yes, about... I know where this is going. Okay. Because <laughs> I was taught all this stuff when I was a young evangelical man too. So. Right. So okay. let's, let's start with this wonderful sentence. God gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex. Okay. Okay. And I'm going to keep going and then and then we can talk about it. Sex is the magnet God gave him to keep drawing him back to you. The way to meet your husband's need for sex is to first of all communicate to him that you accept his need and you're committed to meeting it. Men are much more visually and physically driven than women. They want to see their wives, either naked or in lingerie, not flannel, not canvas, and they want sexual touching, not non-sexual touching. Another way to meet your husband's need for sex is to be more sexual than you feel. Just like I tell men that it doesn't matter how they feel about talking, they need to meet that need for their wives, it doesn't matter how you feel about sex. Your husband needs you to be sexual. You can't match libidos, meaning having sex when you both feel like it, or you'll have sex about eight times before you die. That's not just for the husband. 20% of women have a stronger libido than their husband, but you meet your spouse's needs regardless. Okay, well, at least there was a throwaway line that sometimes women can have the higher libido. Yes. Because it's very stereotypical before that. Yes, yes. But... Here's what I I get from this article, especially. So God gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex. So sex is something that she gives Mm -hmm. and he gets or he takes. Yeah. And he needs it. And he needs it. It's not a gift for him. It's a need. It's a drive. He can't help it. Right. And if he he needs it, then she is obligated to provide it. Well, 
Only if she wants to be a good Christian wife. Right. (laughs) She's not obligated, but all the good Christian wives do. But here's what I really (laughs) want to get at for this, okay? If we see sex as something which she gives to him, then sex is a thing. It's It's a commodity. commodity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the word I was about to use. It's a commodity. It's something that is outside of you. Mm Mm-hmm. That you give to someone else. And it's kind of like it's it's separate from the rest of your relationship. And that's actually what he says. It doesn't matter how you feel. Yes. Exactly. It doesn't matter how you feel. And so we hear is... that all the time in the church, constantly. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. this is something you need to do. It may feel forced. Like yeah, that was that Kevin Lehman and sheet music, music, right? Yeah. This, this, all the time we hear this. Mm-hmm. Um, but if sex is something which is outside of you, mm-hmm. something that you have to give, then sex becomes really impersonal. Well, it's a transaction. It's a transaction. And I think (laughs) this is at the root of how we dig our pits. I think a lot of it, yeah. This is really the root is that we don't understand what sex is. Mm-hmm. So we think of sex as something which is separate from us. It's outside of us. It's mm-hmm. outside of the relationship. It's just something that I have to give you no matter what. Sort of. Mm-hmm. We think that way for men. Right. Like we accept that women see sex as this holistic thing, which is more than just physical. And that's a weird thing that women do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but men don't do that because men see sex as just sex. Yes. Because that's the way that God made men. Yeah. And it's funny because when you look at at how, um, when the church tries to talk about sex in in a mutual way, Mm -hmm. um, but they still believe this, it actually doesn't make sense. That's right. Because when you say things, for instance, like... um, Sex is a beautiful gift from God. Mm-hmm. That I absolutely have to have or I can't survive. And you better right. give it to me or I'll turn to porn. Right. It's but a beautiful if, gift. But if sex <laughs> is a beautiful gift from God uh-huh. and sex is something which she gives and he takes, right? how is it a gift for her? Yeah. Like what is it that she is getting? Yeah. And this, I think, is a question that a lot of us haven't asked um, and a lot of pastors haven't asked. And this is often why we end up in this pit because we, <laughs> we've totally got a wrong view of sex. And I think it comes back. Okay, I, I have something. I want to throw this out there. Okay. Okay. And I just want to want you to see if you, if you agree with this. But I okay. call it, ready? The myth of the magic penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I think we have this idea that the gift that she is getting oh yeah okay. is his penis because the yes. question the question like what yes. exactly is it that she is getting in this yeah. whole thing it's like well what she is getting is the penis and and i have some i have some support for that all right okay 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 i'm i'm going to i'm going to reserve my comments until i hear <laughs> till the whole thesis yeah but even look at the phenomenon and i'm sorry to get crass for a minute but look at the phenomenon of dick pics Right. Okay. I never understood that. <laughs> yeah, I don't really either. <laughs> like, why do men send them? I mean, I think I think it is a a way of asserting power over someone and um, because you're shocking them and making them feel whatever. Yeah. But but I think it's also like bragging. Like, look at this that I have. Yeah. Um, and it it's weird. I th- most women find That's, this. I find that weird too. I don't get I it. I don't get it. Um, or we've shared this one before. Uh, Gary Gary Thomas and Deborah Felita's book, Married Sex, um, Gary, in one of his sections, was explaining to a woman 
who was asking, why does my husband want a hand job when he could do it better himself? Like, and she obviously didn't want to do this. And he mm-hmm. was explaining what was so great, you know, in a postpartum situation, for instance, when you can't have intercourse. Um, and some of the things that made it so great was how excited she was getting, how her breathing mm. was was getting more excited, the wetness between her thighs. Okay. You know, like, so he was explaining yeah. her getting physically aroused, giving a hand job. Yeah. So <laughs> when she's postpartum. <laughs> exactly. So it's like the idea that men want a woman who's engaged and it's a good experience for her mm-hmm. is actually, I think, a good thing. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, hey, like what we're seeing in the church is this crisis of libido that women don't want to have sex. So right. I have all these kind of articles like, you need to do it even if you don't feel like it. That's our mm-hmm. response. It's mm-hmm. not hey, why is it that she's not enjoying it? It's a, you need to do it anyway, mm-hmm. is our mentality. And it's, why don't we ask the question, what is she getting out of this? But I actually wonder mm-hmm. if a lot of these men think yes. that their penis is that powerful. <laughs> now, I am not saying, by the way, that people can't enjoy giving hand jumps postpartum. But what we found is that when play, when your sex life, is Mm. characterized by play and mutuality people often really enjoy giving these sexual favors it makes them feel powerful they just have fun and it's great but when your sex life is characterized by obligation Mm -hmm. this is not fun giving a hand job postpartum is not fun and in the context of this section in this book he's talking to a woman who doesn't want to do it right and convincing her why this is fun and why this is by telling her because you're so excited doing it, he's going to be excited. Exactly. So again, not only is she responsible for doing this for him, she's also responsible for making herself feel excited even if she isn't. Right, which is As exactly opposed, what Exo yeah. Marriage said. You need to yeah. act you yeah. know, more than you feel. As opposed to saying, maybe our view of male sexuality is a bit skewed, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have this view that men just want sex. They don't want all that connection. Yeah. And it's like... When we find that you are connected, you have the best sex, this should make us rethink our view of masculinity and sex. Yes. But we are so committed to this idol mm-hmm. of masculinity, like the magic penis. Like, like, <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, this is like phallic worship. Like, it's yeah. crazy. And it's, it's an idol. Yeah. You know, there was a story that we shared um, in our book, The Great Sex Rescue, which was based on our survey of 20,000 women to see how uh, certain evangelical teachings regarding sex and marriage impacted marital and sexual satisfaction. And we also drew from a lot of comments and questions that had come in. And I, I talked about one question that a man had sent in and he admitted that he'd been abusive early in the marriage, that he'd mm, really neglected mm-hmm. her. And one day she had just had enough and she said, no more sex. Like, I'm just, I'm that's it, I'm done. Um, she wasn't going to leave the marriage, but basically she just emotionally cut herself off and mm-hmm. sexually cut herself off from him. And a couple of years into this, he had a major, he says that he had a major moment where he realized how terrible he'd been. And so he started doing the dishes and being really <laughs> kind to her. So basically doing all the stuff that he should have been doing all, all along. along. And uh, she agreed when, after his repeated requests to give him an orgasm, but she still didn't want intercourse. And so what would happen is he would ask for sex and she would take a day or two to decide whether she was up for it. And then she would give him a hand job, basically. Mm-hmm. And he was really upset. And in this in this letter, what he was saying to me is, I don't understand why she doesn't enjoy giving me an orgasm. Right. 
be, and so again, we have the myth of the magic penis. Yeah. Like I am and, and again, the her... issue the issue here is that she there's something wrong with her because mm-hmm. she's not giving me what I need as a man. Yes. Because he's been taught that by the Christian church. Yeah, but not just that she's not giving it. Why doesn't she enjoy it? No, I know. know, But the point I'm trying to say is is that he's been taught from a very young age, like like in the evangelical church, this is a need you have. Mm -hmm. And that by agreeing to marry you, she is contracting to meet that need. Mm -hmm. We don't see sex as something that flows out of a good relationship. We see sex as a transactional thing that he gets. I watched the chick flick, so now you need to have sex with me because right. that's the deal. Right. And somewhere along the line, if we're Christians, that should twig that maybe we're off track. Yeah. Right? The one I think about is in um, Every Heart Restored. Uh-huh. Right? The story of the, um, the woman who said she was never going to say no to her husband. Mm-hmm. And so basically he just used her as a sperm receptacle. Yeah. She actually called herself a human toilet for semen. Yeah. He mm-hmm. just kept... Every time, multiple times a day, because she never said no. And he just thought, go wild. Yeah. And they're explaining this afterwards. And they're saying, like, you know, your sexuality was made for your husband. And your husband was was made to complete your sexuality. And they realize that they're kind of, that doesn't, this story doesn't show that. Mm -hmm. And then they realize, so their conclusion is, but men just don't have that Christian view of sex. Right. (laughs) Right. As opposed to saying, hey, men, if your sexuality is 100% taking, you are not doing sex the way God intended. Yeah. That is totally antithetical to a Christian worldview. Yeah. Right? And I, entitlement and Christianity should not go together. No. And yet that's that's the message we get all the time. And what is she getting out of it? Yeah, exactly. What is she getting out of it? The and magic penis. The magic penis. <laughs> um, you know, and there's that's even, enough. That's all. That's that's all she could expect. Yeah, it's and crazy. There's there's another aspect to this which I find even sadder. Mm-hmm. That's been in a lot of the evangelical literature, is the idea that once she has experienced a penis, her identity is forever changed. Yeah, and so, and the double standards of yes. you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. Um, because when we think of, of a girl and her worth as being in her virginity, which yeah. is very much what was What's preached God? during yeah. purity culture, what we don't, what I think they never grappled with properly mm. is that that also means that her identity could be stolen from her. Yeah. You know, that if she has another, pe- a, a man's penis inside her, her identity has now forever changed, even if that was not consensual. Yeah. I mean, it's problematic enough that you're saying that her yeah, identity yeah, changes, I... even if it was consensual. But but putting that on top of it, okay. Trigger warning. Um, I I, I want to tell you about something a terrible pastor said. Okay, but this is gross. Which involves but, which involves some rape. So okay. yeah, um, there is a terrible terrible guy, uh, Nathaniel Jolly. I I think he's a pastor in Alaska. He he was with the SBC. I think he left them recently. But he made he made news, Did... and I I put a blog post up about this. Okay where he was talking on Twitter about how if if something is really rape, a woman would fight back and she'd be willing right. to be killed rather than raped. So, right. so what he's insinuating is if she's still alive, she wasn't really raped because a Christian woman would not want that to happen and she wouldn't allow it to happen. Yeah. But the idea that it is so bad to have a man's another man's penis inside you that you would be better off dead mm-hmm. is part of the oh, myth of the wow. magic penis and is so utterly misogynistic. Wow. And I cannot believe that there were not 
that it was women calling this guy out primarily and not any of the high ups in the evangelical church yeah. when it went so big on Twitter. Yeah. Like, I would really like to see men come to women's yeah. defense sometimes, which is why I'm so grateful for you, babe. I yeah, I really know. And I think you're right. I, th- I think that, you know, I think we as, as men need to do a better job of standing up for our sisters in these areas. A lot of times we just keep our... I don't see a lot of men making these arguments. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it is a Christian argument. It's, it's not about man or woman. It's not about... Like, it gets pitched as, well, you, you want to meet women's needs, but you don't want to meet men's needs. Mm-hmm. The, if you think that by saying we need to get rid of obligation sex and we need to have only mutual, totally non-coerced, satisfying, you know, mm-hmm. intimate sex, if you think that that's anti-men, your view of masculinity needs to change. Yeah. I mean... I don't know how to say it. I mean, like when, when the authors of Every Heart Restored were which telling... Is part, which is part of the Every Man's Battle series, yeah, by the way. We're telling this story. And so their conclusion was, but men just don't have that Christian view of sex. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, like, which is not surprising because Every Man's Battle says, um, we see the reason for the prevalence of sexual sin among men. We got there simply just by being male. Yeah. I mean, this is what they believe about men. That yeah. we are disgusting lust monsters who can't control ourselves and it's up to women to keep us pure mm-hmm. right and we just take that yeah and we accept that and we let women live in fear of us why like why don't men stand up and say this yeah and say this is ridiculous this is not the way i am this is not the way that my god made me i think more men need to stand up yeah i think That's... it's time it is it yeah. is and i think more men are awakening too to the fact that they need intimacy as well. Yeah. And yes, a lot of men have channeled their needs for intimacy into sex. And so sex feels like this big oversized need. It's, it's like this, this big hole mm. that can never totally be filled, which is a terrible analogy to use when you're talking about sex. But you know what I mean? It's like, it's like it can never yeah. be filled because you've put things on yep. sex that were never supposed to be on it. Yeah. And a lot of people who preach that men need sex, like it's mm-hmm. a need of men that need sex. Also the kind of people that preach men are tough and strong and don't have emotions and all that kind of stuff. And so yeah. I think that's where all those feelings are going is sex. Yeah. So it's like, instead of me working on my crap mm-hmm. and being confident in myself so that I can bring something to the bedroom for mm-hmm. us to share together, it's like a, you need to make me feel like a man because I'm not allowed to express my insecurities. Right. You know, and, and it's ridiculous. Which goes along great with our podcast last week with Jay Stringer. So if you didn't listen to that, please listen to it and get his book mm. Unwanted. It's it's really great. Let's go back to this idea that sex is something separate from us. Like it's a right. commodity. Okay. So again, this is Gnosticism, right? This is like separating the body and the mind, the yes. body and the spirit, yes. which is not a Christian idea. Right. <laughs> again. Exactly. Yes. Again, so but again. it's all through the church. Exactly. Um, but... If we see sex as something separate from us, then we get this idea that sex should look the same no matter what else is going on in our relationship. So sex should yes. never change. And that's where we get the 72-hour rule, you know, where um, the James Dobson started in 1977 yeah. or something in a book and everybody repeated it. It wasn't based on anything. Yeah, yeah. But this idea that men need sex every 72 hours. Um, in the book Intended for Pleasure, they said that in the postpartum phase, when intercourse is off the table, make sure that you give manual stimulation at the same rate as you did before mm-hmm. you were pregnant so that he gets the same amount. So it's really important. <laughs> for you ladies now that you've just shoved a baby out of your pelvis to remember mm-hmm. you got to keep your game up with your husband because yes. you don't want to neglect that right i mean come on like <laughs> men men 
like, when we hear that, like, can we not go, yeah, all right, that works for me. Can we just say, holy crap, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this is the time for me to take care of you. Can we not say that as men? Yeah. Like, come on, guys. We're better than that. Yeah, Sorry, exactly. sorry, I just want to... No, you are. You are. Uh, and this is the thing. I'm not man bashing when I talk about this stuff. I actually believe men are better than this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but... It, but well, why is it that these crazy psycho people who think that sex is like this are the ones who wrote all our men's books? It's just, yeah. it's ri- ridiculous. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, sorry. Which is why we need people like Jay Stringer and Andrew Bowman yeah. and Michael John Cusick and great, yeah. great people. I know and why I'm... you need to read The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex. Exactly. Shameless plug. Shameless plug for, for the book our that own you and book. I wrote. Yes. And I, yes, I'm talking about all these other guys. But you know what? We're all, we're all doing great work. And yes, I'm, yes. I'm proud to be partnering with so many great people. But, you know, it's not just the postpartum area where this gets complicated. It's like if sex, let's imagine that sex is not a commodity, but mm-hmm. instead, okay, wait for it. I know this will be totally revolutionary, but instead that sex is actually the natural expression of your relationship. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> imagine. Exactly. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, you know, having a wife who wants to have sex with you. Yeah. Because that's something you're drawn to each other. Mm-hmm. This is something you want to experience with each other. And imagine it flowing naturally out of a relationship that is based upon respect, trust, Mm -hmm. you know, all those good things. Yeah. So imagine that sex is the culmination of your relationship, that it's the physically acting out of how you feel about each Mm -hmm. other, Mm -hmm. that it's the physically acting out of everything that you are. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's called holistic. Right. right? Exactly. But only women are like that. (laughs) Men are compartmentalized. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Actually, they're not. But anyway, yes. They're not. It's it's totally yeah. ridiculous. There's healthy and unhealthy. And yeah. if we have a view of masculinity that is profoundly unhealthy and has been stati- has been scientifically shown to not be healthy and moreover is gnostic, mm-hmm. not Christian, mm-hmm. maybe we need to change our view of what masculinity is. Yeah. yeah. So sex holistic yeah. expression of your relationship. Yeah. But that means that it is okay that your sex life is on par and reflects what is happening in your lives and in your relationship. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if his mom died, okay, and, um, and he's just in a grieving place, she should not expect sex to be as hot as it has been in the past. Okay. Like there shouldn't be those expectations. Instead, sex may be something that maybe you don't have for a while, or maybe you turn to sex out of comfort or something, but it's, it's something it grows far out more of who you are as a couple and how you're both feeling. Or yeah. if she's super stressed because there's a major issue with the kids and she's getting called because the kids are getting bullied at school and, you know, she's really stressed about how to handle this. And she's wondering if she's a good mom and everything, you know, she may not feel like sex tonight. And that's okay because her need may be more to have him support her and help her figure out how to handle the bullying at school. But instead, what we've taught couples is no matter what is happening, Mm -hmm. the sex needs to look the same because it's separate from you. And he has these needs. They need to be fulfilled. You need to be in lingerie. You need to act more than you feel. All the things that Jimmy Evans said. And that has nothing to do with sex being intimate. No. Well, it also really, that very quickly can lead to the person in the relationship who has the higher drive, mm-hmm. feeling that, you know, it's not my responsibility 
to engage them so that they want this like I do. Mm-hmm. It's their responsibility to provide it to me because that's the deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that's typically men because men tend to have the higher drives, especially in evangelical circles. Yes. yes. But it breeds selfish lovers because it's mm-hmm. an expectation as mm-hmm. opposed to something that's naturally flowing out of where we're at. Right. Right. And, and I think this is why our sex lives often get put in this pit and why we end up mm-hmm. in this pit. We don't know how to climb out of it mm-hmm. is because we, we see sex in the wrong way and we need to redefine it. Mm-hmm. That sex is not merely about the penis. Like even the way we think about sex, right? It begins <laughs> when yeah, the yeah, penis yeah. enters, it ends when he finishes mm-hmm. and anything extra is extra. Anything else is extra. Yeah. Um, and that's not the way most women receive pleasure. And so we need, we need to get out of this male-focused idea of yep. sex. And we need to instead see sex as something which is holistic. And even, okay, even, even those ideas, and I used to say this, oh gosh, I used to say this all the time, and I will change this line in my talk that I give. I would say that sex helps you sleep. Right. Right? No, it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Orgasmic sex helps you right. sleep. Yeah. Sex yeah. alone does not help her sleep. Yeah. <laughs> it's having the orgasm that makes you sleep. And if you don't have the orgasm, sleep can actually be more difficult. Because <laughs> yeah. um, you're frustrated. Exactly. Right. Or you feel used. If you're one of the women, mm-hmm. you know, I think it was 18% of women, their primary emotion after intercourse is negative. Yeah. I feel used. I feel disconnected, whatever. So if sex is making you feel more disconnected, sex is actually making your relationship worse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the more we have sex like that, the more you create distance between you. Mm-hmm. And then when that distance happens, um, <laughs> assuming he's the one with the higher sex drive, he wants even more sex to prove to himself they're still close. Yeah. And so you get into oh, and this it's terrible the only, cycle. Yeah, and it's the only way he knows yeah. how to express his need is right. through sex. Right. And then what we do in the church is we tell her to div it anyway. Right. As right. opposed to saying, let's repair the damage that's been done. Yeah. And so what happens is the hole gets dug deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper because we never actually deal with the underlying issue, which is that we're seeing sex as a transactional thing as Mm -hmm. opposed to creating a relationship where it naturally flows. Yeah, exactly. And I already did a fixed it for you on Jimmy Evans' first sentence there, that God gave men the need for sex and women the gift of sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But if you ever hear that in your church, if you ever hear a pastor saying that, if you ever hear that in a women's group, just realize it's not true and Mm -hmm. speak up. And especially if you're a guy, please speak up because we need to get back to the actual biblical way of seeing sex. Yes. Mutual, intimate, pleasurable for both as an integrated, holistic part of your relationship, which is expressing what is already there. It isn't something which you have to force to make look the same no matter what in order to keep your man happy Mm. because that ain't going to work. And, it, and that's only going to dig the pit deeper. All right. I have brought Rebecca, my daughter and co-author of The Great Sex Rescue, and her upcoming book, She Deserves Better for Moms of Daughters, onto the podcast now because I want to continue this conversation. Yep. Because we have been having this wider conversation on the blog of how to get out of the pit. Mm-hmm. And your dad and I, I know that always sounds weird to talk about like your dad and I when we were talking about sex. Okay. so <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> at this point, my brain just has to be callous. Right. But uh, your dad and I were talking about the need to redefine sex. Yes. And on the blog, what I'm pre- trying to present is a four-point plan on how mm-hmm. you can dig out of the pit. Yeah. When when it just seems like sex is something which is always 
filled with tension mm-hmm. because one person wants it, one person doesn't, one person's chronically dissatisfied, one person feels used. Yeah, whatever it is. Whatever it might be. And how do we repair this? You know, often the answer that you'll find that you'll hear in church is, well, you just need to have sex more. You need to prioritize sex. You need to realize that it's a gift from God. You need to figure out your roadblocks yeah. and deal with your roadblocks. Yeah, but all so of that this you is can done. embrace sex because he needs it. Yeah, but all of this is done with the overarching message that sex is something he needs and she does not. Sex is something for him, not for her. Right. So what I'm suggesting is that you can't actually dig out of this pit without going through these four steps. Okay. Okay, this is the only route out. It really is. And we, we heard this route over and over again doing the focus groups, which mm-hmm. you mostly did for, yep. for Great Sex Rescue. We've seen it in research, etc. And here it is. Okay, number one is redefining sex, mm-hmm. like we talked about with your dad. Yeah, you can't have sex still be something that is a taking. Yeah, it's not a transaction. It's a it's a holistic part of your relationship, which yep. means what happens in your relationship, it's okay if that's reflected in your sex life. It should exactly. be. Yes. So that's number one, redefining sex. Number two is safety. Mm-hmm. You know, you both need to feel safe. And that's what mm-hmm. I want to talk about for most of this podcast yeah. and for next week, because I think yeah. it's the big missing piece. And I think that we also, when we talk about safety, it's also very important to actually define what safety means, mm-hmm. because this is something that is defined very differently among men and among women a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, because we hear from from commenters all the time, from male commenters who... I'll be honest, from their commenting background, are very entitled men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and very much see sex as something that they deserve, even if she has no pleasure. And right. they'll say things like, well, I don't feel safe in the relationship knowing that I'm being rejected. Right. Like, I don't feel safe to ask her for sex if I know that she's not going to want it. Yeah. And I think that we need to talk about what safe actually means. Yes. <laughs> because um, it, I think for a lot of a lot of times, if you've been raised in an entitlement context, safe means I don't have to experience the natural consequences of my actions. Mm-hmm. Safe is I am safe from negative experiences. Mm-hmm. And that's not safety. <laughs> yeah. Because safety doesn't happen at the expense of someone else. Yes. And if you can only be safe if someone else is not, yes. that's not safe. That's entitlement. Yes. And so it might feel very uncomfortable to initiate sex with a wife who doesn't want to have sex. That's not necessarily not being safe. Right. So we need to be really careful that, you know, you can't just say, well, I feel unsafe and like, okay, well, now you get a veto card and anything. No, we need to actually talk about this in a realistic, healthy way. Which is why the redefining sex has to come first. Yes. Because she will never feel safe. No. And he won't ever actually feel safe either unless you have this proper view of sex, which is that it isn't an entitlement. Mm-hmm. It is the natural outflow of your relationship. And so that, that needs to come first. Safety. Next step is building affection. Mm-hmm. So just feeling comfortable with each other, yeah. uh, building that non-sexual touch, feeling like you have a relationship yeah. to build on because sex is the culmination of the relationship. And so you need to have the relationship first. Yes. So affection and then rebuilding sex. Exactly. We're not going to spend a lot of time on the blog talking about those latter two things because yeah. quite frankly, I've done that so much on the blog already. There's so much <laughs> content on those. Yeah. But but what really people get hung up on is the redefining sex and yeah. the safety. And that's what I want to go into. We had yeah. a really good story that was on the blog. I'll link to that in the podcast notes of a man who's on a multi-year journey mm-hmm. towards this and he had to really understand that he had totally messed things up with his wife because he had gone into marriage assuming that he was entitled mm-hmm. and he had seriously hurt her 
Yeah. And we actually hear from a lot of men who, who have this kind of come to Jesus moment Mm -hmm. and they really wake up and they do it. They do the work, Mm -hmm. you know, and they actually do save their marriages. They save their, they save their sex lives, but not just that. Like they actually are able to give their spouse the gift of the marriage they always should have had. And they're able to work back and be Christ to their spouse by pouring themselves out and, you know, doing what they need to do in mm-hmm. order to fix the relationship. But this is not something that is done in five days. No. This is something which can take five years. Yeah. Like when depending on the amount of damage that's done, mm-hmm. it's going to take longer to undo it and mm-hmm. how much damage was done. Mm-hmm. So it does take a while. And that's why those first two parts, redefining sex and safety are so important. So yeah. let, let's go into safety for a little bit. Okay. I want to read you an email, which is an example of a woman who doesn't feel safe. Awesome. Let's go. We well, not awesome, but not feeling safe. But yeah, let's read the email. I really don't want to have sex. I just know my husband needs it to be able to function. Hmm. We have sex one to two times a week, minus dragon week, her period. <laughs> so I understand that three times a month at minimum is not really enough. However, I have an unspoken resentment towards him for all the things he's done wrong regarding sex for the last 14 years and before we were married, and it just makes me clam up more. We can't talk about it because we've tried, and it just leads to more frustration and hurting each other. If we could delete sex completely, we would be very happily married and we have no plan or desire to ever separate. I have also desperately wished that he could have a concubine, but mm. obviously those wishes can't come true. You know, and, yeah. and she goes on just to say how desperate she is. Like, how how do you help a wife who wants to honor her husband's need for sex, but needs to forgive him and probably herself for past and present issues and move on? Yeah. So here she is. She's just not safe. No, she does not feel safe. And there has been major hurt. And I, I I, know we don't have all the information, but when I hear that she can't talk about the hurt because they just hurt each other more, how, like, maybe she says things in an insensitive way, but mm-hmm. I also do get a little bit concerned if he's someone who has, quote unquote, sexual needs that she feels guilty about to the extent that she's like, I wish you could just find someone else to screw, in essence. That's what yeah. this is. Mm-hmm. I do wonder how much of it is that he feels hurt by being told he did things wrong. Because mm-hmm. again, we just see this so often yeah. that this is something we need to be able to talk about. Like, it does not, it is not mean to tell you that you did something wrong if you did something wrong. Yeah. Like, that's just truth. Yeah, that isn't something that is unsafe. No. That, is, that isn't being... Yeah, that isn't it being isn't, mean. It isn't being a nag. It isn't being yeah. unfair. It's like, hey, you know, you coerced me into sex. That was like mm-hmm. rapey and wrong. Yeah. That's not yeah. a mean thing to say if it happened. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I had another email recently by a woman who said that she was raped on her wedding night. Mm. Um, and basically, they went into the hotel room she didn't feel ready. Mm-hmm. She was bewildered by what was happening. You know, he took off her dress yeah. and he did it. Um, and she really felt that it was rape. Yeah. And when she tried to express that to him, he became so angry because he would never rape her. Exactly. And how dare you think I would rape you? Yeah. Um, I was like, but you did. But you did. Yeah. And what was and and as she tried to explain it she said he's not a bad guy mm-hmm. i think he was just doing what we were told we were supposed to do on our wedding night and that now you finally get to have sex mm-hmm. um and he's not normally like this but i am so hurt and i don't know how to get over it yeah and I can't tell you the number of stories that we've heard like that. I do think that we give people terrible sex advice going into marriage. Yes. I think that a lot of men go into marriage if they grew up in the Christian church truly not understanding what consent looks like. 
mm-hmm. truly not understanding what good sex looks like, not understanding the female arousal cycle, not understanding that they're supposed to slow down and watch how their partner's reacting. However, when people say he's not a bad guy, I, I do want to say, if you tell someone, I feel like you raped me, and their response isn't horror, but is rather anger at you, mm-hmm. that makes me think, that doesn't sound like a great guy. Yeah. Um, and like, that doesn't sound like a great guy. <laughs> it, it just doesn't. Cause even if he doesn't think he raped you, mm-hmm. if his beloved, if his wife feels that way, that should cause him to question everything about himself. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's not something that a good guy brushes off. Yeah. And, and we hear this from women all the time since my husband's a great man. And I do have the question of what is our metric? Cause yes. when it comes to safety, a great man is a man who is safe. Yeah. A good man is a man But I think even this woman who's saying, I would prefer my husband have a concubine, yeah. she's saying like outside of sex, everything is really good. Yeah. And I do see that a lot in I Christian see that, marriages. Yeah. Because we have taught sex so much as an entitlement and so separate from the relationship yeah. that they actually are. Like for so many couples, that's what's so bewildering to so yeah. many women is like, he's not like this. And then he'll treat me so badly in the bedroom because this is how we have taught it. And men have internalized this message that they, that they deserve it and then when she is expressing i don't feel safe he just gets upset yeah and he takes it as an attack here's another example there was a panel with a lot of big mega church pastors and marriage leaders mm-hmm. and the question i was told by i was told the story by one of the panel members um and the question came up you know my my counselor has recommended that we go on a sex fast mm-hmm. since my husband disclosed his porn use yeah and my counselor recommended that we have no sex at all for 90 days at least while we try to reestablish intimacy. What do you think of this? And one of the female panelists said that was a very good idea. But one of the big megachurch pastors said that that was absolutely not allowed because that would be depriving him. Yeah, exactly. And that would be withholding. So that is an example of still seeing sex as commodified. Yep. As separate from the relationship, no matter what, no matter what is happening in the relationship, sex needs to look exactly the same. And as a way to shield men from the repercussions of their actions. Yes. See, this is what I'm talking about with the safety issue where like men Mm -hmm. will say things like, well, I feel unsafe if Mm -hmm. I have to be vulnerable and ask for sex I might not get. That's not safety issue. You know, a man is not unsafe if you don't give him sex because he might get lured to pornography. That's not a safety issue. Yeah. And, and also, there's just no understanding that she needs to feel safe. Mm-hmm. The reason that you do that sex fast, there's so many reasons for it. Uh, so many. So many. You know, resetting your idea of intimacy, getting back to understanding what sex really is, not uh, be, not Removing. channeling not channeling all of your emotional needs into yeah. sex, but, but learning how to deal with emotions in other yeah, ways. Yeah, I was going to say, giving yourself a, a break from using sex as a coping mechanism. Exactly. Other like, ones. There's all kinds of reasons. But one of them is also to let her feel safe in yeah. the relationship. Like, I do not have to earn his fidelity, love, fidelity respect, whatever. Um, he can show me that I am important without sex. Mm-hmm. And that is so vital for women. Yeah. Is they need to feel that. And this marriage megachurch uh, pastor was denying her the oh, safety yeah. that she needed. Of course, of course he was, because it goes against their entire ethos. Of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a guy who went viral a while ago because he wrote a book called something like She Divorced Me Because I Left Dishes by the Sink. Yes, like Matthew that. Frey. Yeah, Matthew yes. Frey. So he wrote this book where obviously his wife didn't actually divorce him because he left a cup by the sink. But it was this idea of marriages are not 
always like women do not leave marriages because of one mistake mm-hmm. they leave marriages because you slowly eroded away the trust and the safety in the relationship to a point that she is not able to continue anymore mm-hmm. like it really is that she has no other choice for her well-being she has to leave right because she's just so unsafe even it, with guys who are quote-unquote good guys mm-hmm. right and this is why guys are like i never saw it coming yeah and he wrote this article that someone left as a comment on the blog and we're just going to read a paragraph or two from it because yeah. it, it really explains the idea of safety and why women can feel unsafe even when their husbands might look at their life and say, but you're safe. Right. Right. But they, yes. And so this, so he wrote a big book about this, but this is a, this is a different article. Um, and, and one of my amazing commenters did leave the link to this article on the blog. I'm just going to set it up and then I'll let you read the excerpt from it. But what he's saying is, you know, when men think about making sure their wife is safe, Mm -hmm. they think about, I will take a bullet for her. Yeah. I will, I will do the finances. Yeah. I will donate Um, a kidney. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I will, um, I will, I will sleep next to the door. Yeah. You know, I will be, I will, I will have yeah. the baseball bat on my side of the bed or, yeah. or whatever it might be. Like yeah. I am going to do these things so that I can physically defend her yeah. from any outside threats. Yes. Um, but that isn't actually how most women feel safe. Well, it's not the only way. Right. And this is, and this is what he says. Do you want to read it? Sure. I'll read it. After dozens, perhaps hundreds of attempts to explain what it is that upsets her, he generally responds angrily. Or tells her she's wrong. Or tells her she's just being emotional again. Or tells her she's mentally unstable. Or simply walks away in frustration because he doesn't want to fight anymore. Or maybe he's really patient and simply walks away confused after the conversation without fighting back, but also without ever understanding what she's trying to communicate to him. No matter which of those common responses occur with any given couple, each instance further weakens a wife or girlfriend's faith in the relationship. He's never going to get it. I can't trust him. The mistrust is not about sexual faithfulness. It's not really even about his human integrity, assuming he is as unaware of the damage he's causing as I believe he is. A wife or girlfriend loses trust in her husband or boyfriend after repeated attempts to explain why something hurts and requests for help in making it stop have not resulted in any positive outcomes nor any evidence that he wants the painful thing to stop. Faced with feeling hurt every day for the rest of her marriage or relationship and no evidence her committed partner is willing to be a partner in making something painful go away, she stops trusting him. Yeah. And that's really what it is. We'll put yeah. a link to that article. It's a really good article. Podcast notes. Um, because what he's trying to do is he's, he's just trying to talk to the men and yeah. say, here's what these, here's what women are telling you yeah. when they keep bringing up the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and you're sick of it. <laughs> here's what you need to understand. Yeah. And so he's talking to guys and I think it can be a really powerful article for some guys to get. Especially from a man who ruined his marriage because he didn't get this. Right. Right. But this is what safety is. Yeah. Is like women need, need to know that when something matters to me, it matters to you when I don't feel loved and cherished and you tell me well you should feel loved and cherished yeah what's wrong with you that you don't feel loved and cherished Mm -hmm. you know that that pushes her further away and I think this is what's so interesting to me when I hear this stuff is this is not a female need this is just a human need we Mm -hmm. see this in children yeah (laughs) I'm gonna I know I always do a toddler metaphor because I'm a mom of toddlers okay (laughs) but think about it in terms of the safety issue with with my kid right if I said I take great care of my kid because I will always bring him to the ER if he breaks his arm Mm -hmm. you know and I will make sure he has food Mm -hmm. and I will make sure he has a safe place to sleep Mm -hmm. but then I don't kiss his boo-boos 
and I don't snuggle him and I don't listen to him get excited about dinosaurs and I don't want to spend time painting with him and I don't go on walks with him and I don't take him to the park and I don't care about the things he cares about and I don't enter into his experience. If mm -hmm. I don't help him when he's frustrated with something he's trying to learn, if he asks for my help and I just say I'm too busy, mm -hmm. he's not going to feel connected to me, right? I can take care of all the actual physical safety stuff I want. Yeah. But if I'm not actually getting into his world and interacting with him, he's going to start feeling that mommy doesn't love him. Yeah. Right? And this is, and I, I do wonder how much of this is that men are so trained to channel all of their, their emotional energy into sex and pornography when they get addicted to that a lot of the times that they've kind of lost a lot of their, uh, their ability to figure out how to listen to that more subtle emotional bids. Mm -hmm. And that's not an excuse. That means that's something you need to learn. Yeah. That is not something where it's like, okay, well, wives, be, you, don't, you, you can't really expect it. No, you can expect it. This is a human need. Mm -hmm. Everyone has the capacity to do this. Mm -hmm. You just need to learn it. And men, you have to learn it if you don't already know it. You have yeah. to learn it. And if you are in a pit... Yeah. Where sex has become totally fraught and completely filled with tension. Yeah. You cannot get out of that pit by just pressuring someone to, well, now you just need to like sex. Exactly. Now you just need to embrace sex. Well, no, we you hear... have to create a relationship where she feels safe and safe means that she feels emotionally connected to you. Mm -hmm. And that means that what she feels matters to you. Mm -hmm. It has to matter to you. Which is what this, the person who said, you know, I, I was raped. Like you raped me and he just gets angry. Yeah. Cause how could you say that about yeah. me? What I think a lot of men don't understand too, is that actually if you embrace this idea of safety mm -hmm. and if you say, you know what, I'm going to take the pressure off. Okay. We might have to take sex off of the table. Oh, yeah. For a while. While we figure out what intimacy is, if they're willing to do that work, their life is going to be so much, so much more rewarding. It's like what Jay was talking about on the podcast last week about delight and, mm -hmm. <laughs> and just opening yourself up to like the really, really good things in this world. Yeah. When you stop relying on sex for connection, when you stop relying on sex to fill this need for intimacy that you have, mm -hmm. and instead seek proper intimacy through emotional connection, then you're going to feel so much more alive. And then sex, once it is restored, can become the real expression mm -hmm. of that in, in all its authenticity instead of something which is just a pale counterfeit. And not only that, it's not just about sex either. If you're learning how to actually be intimate without connecting your emotional connection to sex, that mm -hmm. also means you're able to have better relationships with people you don't have sex with. Yeah. Like your friends, <laughs> yeah. like your kids, like your mom, like mm -hmm. your sister, like whoever it is, right? Because a lot of times we do see in research that men tend to have more shallow relationships than women do. And how much of that is because men tend to be emotionally connecting through sex and you don't have sex with all your buddies. Yes. Right? So it's, I think that there's, there's a level where if you're able to learn these emotional skills, it's not just so you can get sex. Because first of all, if you're doing it just so you can get sex, you're not doing it. So. Right, right. She's like, never going to feel safe. Well, not yeah. it's not just that you're also just not a safe person yes if you're only doing it so you can get sex you're just not a safe person yeah but if you can learn to get to closeness without sex mm -hmm. then you can get to closeness with other people too yeah 
And, you know, men need that. It actually increases your lifespan. Yeah. It does. Men who have better, more intimate relationships, people who are not their spouse, actually live for longer. Mm-hmm. So. So all that to say, here's our plea to the evangelical church. Please yeah. stop talking about men having a need for sex and women having the gift of sex. Just stop. Just stop. And, insti- and instead... You know, let's see sex as the culmination of the intimacy you have. And if that intimacy is not there, that is what you work on first. Exactly. I want to end with an email that I think illustrates all of this really well. Mm -hmm. Um, The beginning of the email is sad. Okay. Warning you. But then it does, it does show it at the end what we're talking about. Okay. So here's what she writes. For over two decades, my husband and I had sex at least every other day, sometimes more, and he had to have it every which way. He was recreating the porn he watched and expected me to fulfill all those fantasies. And like a good Christian wife, I did. There was never any intimacy, only sex. And we both orgasmed every time. I do I do think that's important yeah. to note is that... Um, Just because you orgasm doesn't mean that it's good sex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and It's like, here's the thing. If you don't orgasm, it's not very likely to... To be good sex yes. but if you do orgasm it doesn't mean that it is good sex yes. right yeah yeah exactly fast forward to my new marriage so mm-hmm. she divorced the man over abuse um we've been married three and a half years This husband has never watched porn and it's obvious. The intimacy is out of this world. It makes me want to cry thinking about it. He is content and we are happy. Everyone comments about our love. I actually told him a few months into our marriage that I was so thankful for vanilla sex (laughs) after so many years of being a performer for my former husband. It was exhausting. This husband tells me that sex is just an extension of the marriage. It's a great one, yes, but he says it naturally flows out from the intimacy we share the rest of the time. He holds my hand everywhere we go. He holds me all night long and we sleep naked. I wasn't safe to do that with my former husband. He is a partner in the home. We talk, we laugh and tease. He is the best lover a wife could ask for. He is kind and good. He is just as good, if not better, in the home than outside of the home. My teenage daughter looks up to him and loves him for his example. He is the real deal. I look forward to sex now. It's no longer a tool to use to keep the husband happy for a couple of days. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And that's what we want. Like that's what, that's, that's what we want for every couple. And I just want to encourage you. Um, we've had so many great stories since we began this series of people who were in the pit yes. and where it was really hard and they couldn't see a way out, but they did the hard work of yeah. redefining sex and they did the hard work of reestablishing safety and it took a while but they did get out of it yeah and i think that's actually been one of the really great things about doing this series is usually we do a series and we get only terrible stories as a result <laughs> which is like which is good which is fine it's, it's good to hear uh you know everyone's experiences but it is kind of nice to do a series where we're actually getting mostly positive yeah stories stories of redemption stories of yeah. rebirth stories of Mm -hmm. Uh, just the newness of Christ and his resurrection being made live in people's lives. Yeah. So anyway, that is, that is a really nice thing about this month. Yes. So please check out the series at baremarriage.com. There's more coming. And then next week on the podcast, we're going to delve more into some of the reasons why it can be so hard Mm -hmm. to reestablish safety by looking at some really cool and slightly unethical psychological experiments. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to tell you some of my favorite experiments from my undergrad and what they have to do with sex. Yeah. So tune in for that next time on Bear Marriage. And just as a special request 
please remember to rate this podcast five stars and recommend it everywhere so other people can hear it. It helps us so much. Um, remember to subscribe and download because your download numbers help us they as really well. Um, just to get sponsors for the podcast. Uh, so thank you for all of your support and for being part of this community. Um, until next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.